Everybody and welcome to another episode of Stand By Your Band. I'm Tom Takar, the Wolf of Dog Street, joined as always by the Prince of Snarkness himself, Tommy McNamara. How are you, Tommy? I'm doing very well. I got to uh, I got to go to being vaccinated. Everything got to go to Chicago this weekend for Mother's Day. It was very exciting. Oh yeah. Got to got to go to a Cubs game. It's very funny going to a Cubs game with like the really limited capacity because yeah. what I noticed is is that you really notice the music choices they make in the stadium <laughs> and they are like when it's like the organ i love anything the organ does i'm all in but the songs they choose to play are just brutal <laughs> and yeah. it's like you never notice when you're there's a million people around and you're all talking but when there's no one there it's like oh man we're really gonna listen <laughs> to this justin bieber song for the whole time <laughs> and yeah. uh, at full volume <laughs> so that was yeah it was it was very interesting though it was a fun time and um very quickly, we had one other very funny thing happen where we rented out uh, a movie theater for my family and we watched The Sting, which I'd never seen. Uh, an amazing movie. It was great. I've never I, seen it. Uh, it's so good. It, was, it won Best Picture in, I think, 73. But uh, yeah. but the very funny thing that happened was, so the whole movie is about this big, elaborate ruse <laughs> to get money. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, during the movie, the fire alarm went off. And uh, the fire alarm went off, fire trucks came, firemen came, huge, big production. We had to walk out of the theater. Everyone from like surrounding stores were walking by to see what was going on. It didn't end up being a fire. And then we ended up getting all this money off of our rental. Hell yeah. And I, I don't know if it was our fault or not, but it was like we kind of pulled a ruse during this Hell movie yeah. about a big heist. So it was very funny. <laughs> That's sick. For Mother's Day, but it was a great trip. Yeah. Hell yeah. Speaking of a uh, big elaborate ruse to get money, join the Patreon, people. <laughs> $3 a month gets you a bonus episode every week. Uh, really quickly, that's crazy. I went to a baseball game this weekend too. First one in, you know, like maybe two years. I went to see the Yankees play. And also a weird situation where we have a friend who has like a, he has like a, a hookup per se, where he knows this like backyard near Yankee stadium. That's like behind a deli where Yankees fans like get drunk before the game or whatever. Yes. And so we went to do that. And then uh, the game got rain delayed three hours and we didn't know what to do. So we just stayed back there and kept drinking. And then by the time the game started, we were gone. And, uh, (laughs) And same thing where they were playing weird ass music. And then, we only watched like five innings and then we got rained on and uh, that part sucked. But you know what? It was great to be back. Uh, you had to show your Vax card, which was, I think, mm-hmm. good. But yeah, so it didn't, it felt safe. But also the the seats were like roped off. Like we we did the old move where we bought shitty seats and then we, uh, we snuck up into uh, mm-hmm. good seats. And the security at Yankee Stadium is like non-existent now. It's insane. And so we just like, like walked into better seats and then... Um, but they were roped off. So it was like very clear that what we were doing, because we kept trying to sit in seats and they were like, oh, that one's got a rope on it. The ones that are zip tied, right? Yeah, zip tied. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bobby, uh, who was with us, just <laughs> yelled to all the people around us, sorry, we're sneaking. <laughs> we're sneaking, okay? And nobody gave a shit. And then sure enough, this always happens when I go with Bobby, where you think that we're having like a conversation that is just ours, but then 
uh, there were some people in front of us who got up to leave before we did because it started raining on us. And Bobby was like, hey, sorry, we were too loud. And the, and the guys go, no, we were enjoying your conversation. <laughs> like, Just move on, buddy. You don't very have to weird. say that. Yeah. Don't say you were listening. But of course, we we're very loud and drunk, so it made sense. But uh, with that out of the way, we have uh, a very great show today. I'm very excited for this one. And I'm super excited to bring in our guest today. David Reese, how are you? Hi, fellas. Sorry. That was weird. <laughs> hi, hi guys. How are how are both of you fellows doing today? Doing, doing well. Doing I'm good. I'm so excited. It was very funny because um we're we're talking about hollow notes today. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny that this is the topic we're doing this week because last week I was at a friend's rooftop and I was DJing and he was like, "Well, I have to play this one song." I was like, "Okay, cool." And the song he played was the live from Daryl's house uh, with Chromio where they play, I can't go for that. And I'd never seen it. Oh. And it was so good. And I was like, I never really gave all notes too much of a shot. And I mm -hmm. loved it. And the next thing you know, we're talking about them on the podcast. So I'm very excited. I'm happy to be a part of your, of your education about your <laughs> yes. and John Oates. It's, it's kind of funny because so the premise of this show uh, for people who might not have listened before and are jumping in uh, to, to hear about Hall and Oates we usually do bands that are fully like made fun of like shit on, or we do bands that are really underrated. We've been doing lately like jawbreaker and stuff. And I was always a little hesitant on hall and Oates because I never heard, I always thought of them as just a cool band. I always loved hall and Oates growing up. I had their greatest hits and stuff, but then watching their, we, I think we both watched their behind the music today. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that they had this phase of like, no, they were really uncool. And even they, I mean, they kind of knew it and, they were looked down on by rock people because they were R and B, and it's uh, it's interesting. I had no idea, so I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you brought this band up because I also have wanted to talk about them for a long time. Oh, that's good. All right, I, I was worried I was going to get in trouble. No, yeah, no, no, it's you know, it's not like um, it's not like Nickelback. They're not a punchline exactly, but mm -hmm. they're my experience with Hall and Oates and why I thought maybe it would work is I came to know that I was growing up in the '80s. So I knew about I was I was introduced to Hollow Notes kind of like at, at the height of their pop era, mm -hmm. and then when I went back as an older person and found those early records from the early seventies, it was just shocking how good they were, yeah, and yeah. how non-synthy they were, you know. Yes. So for me, it was kind of like I I am guilty of doing that thing of being the high schooler who's all of a sudden is too cool for hollow notes because they just play pop music and I'm into real music. And then years later being like, Oh, wait a minute. Hollow notes were incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like I think yeah. they're one of my top 10, top 10 bands. Really? Um, just, just on the strength of like just a handful of songs that I just think are so mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, they have so, they had so much success and it's one yeah. of those where it's like a classic, you know, younger, uh, people getting famous and then losing all their money sort of shit where uh, I think it was Oates was saying that he like and that and that behind the music he like lost everything but he also was like living so large he had an airplane and shit and he just didn't I gotta, I've never seen the I've never seen the um behind the music I should watch that well I'm sure we'll touch on it throughout the episode but I actually don't know that much about them like can I tell you Oh Only no! This go ahead, morning, go did I realize they don't like being referred to as Hollow Notes? Same, very, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know that. I missed said, that part. The name of our group is Daryl Hall and John Oates, and my whole life I've been I've been um, disrespecting them. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Any trivia or stories you can tell me, I'll be totally psyched to hear. 
the the craziest story is right right off right in the beginning and i can't believe it wasn't in it they touched upon this on uh on the behind the music but they didn't say the most interesting part which is uh so they met at this at this uh show that was uh i think a delphi uh concert venue or whatever in philadelphia they're both philadelphia guys Mm -hmm. and they were in different bands they were different projects and uh the reason they met is a is a a gunfight broke out between two gangs at the show and they happened to be they sprinted to the elevator they happened to be in the same elevator and they just hit it off in this (laughs) elevator escaping gun violence and that go. wasn't in the behind the music. I don't understand oh, how really? they didn't cover it. They said like they met at this show, but they didn't say, oh, by the way, the show ended because <laughs> a gunfight broke out. Wow. It's insane. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't think of like, uh, yeah, at Hall & Oates, they meet because of this weird gang thing. That, I mean, they were, neither of them were in either of the gangs, but it's like, it's just a crazy fun fact. And then they didn't even get together right then. They like kind of they became friends and then they started collaborating a little bit and then one of them went to europe and then came back and they were like let's actually do this and they lived together and like immediately started making great music and within you know a couple years were signed i believe to atlantic and they were making folky stuff with atlantic which is the stuff that uh, a lot of stuff on the playlist is from, I think, the Atlantic stuff, which Abandoned wasn't. Lynchonette, one of my favorite records. And, yeah. And, and that it... record does have moments of surprising folkiness if you only know Daryl Hall and John Oates from their synth pop. And stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's the album that they were like, Atlantic wasn't happy with it. And they ended up uh, leaving and going to, I can't remember. Um, RCA, I think. RCA. That was yeah, yeah. RCA. Well, then their manager, very interestingly, was Tommy Matola, which I yeah. did not know They're like when they were just starting out, which is just crazy because i just always mm-hmm. think of tommy mattola through the mariah carey <laughs> and i'm i believe <laughs> at the time he everything. was i believe at the time he was nobody uh, yeah. i think in the dot in the in the behind the music they're like yeah just this kid who's like yeah i want to manage you or maybe that was a different guy but anyway yeah tommy mattola ends up managing them and then almost immediately hands them a million dollar check because they're uh they're number one on the radio like they're just killing it so quickly but it's interesting that they were like yeah, that first that album. I don't know if it's the first or the second one, but uh, yeah, the lunch and I was the uh, it's it was like not a huge hit, and then they went back and released some songs from it again, and they were hits. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. It took but, a while for She's Gone to become a radio staple. Yeah, which is right. crazy because it's you listen to it, you're like, how is this not immediately uh, huge? Uh, it's yeah. It's insane. There's some songs where I think it's fun. Have you ever read the the article? I guess it's on Wikipedia about when they recorded Rihanna's song "Umbrella" and the story of being in the studio and the first time she was doing a vocal pass on uh, on like the Ella Ella, you know that repeated mm-hmm. thing. And they and the producers looked at each other and they're like, "Oh my god, this song is going to be a worldwide blockbuster smash hit." They were so <laughs> excited. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder if. Just imagine like listening to the playback of She's Gone. You would you would you would be thinking, Oh my god, we wrote a hit song. This is so mm-hmm. exciting. Like this song is so massive. This is yeah. gonna be so exciting. So they were probably a little bummed out when at first it didn't take, but they they earned their reward in the end. Definitely. And wise of them to it it does seem like Daryl Hall specifically has an ear for what's going to be big. Um and hearing him talk about uh writing Sarah Smile. I loved because I loved that song growing up. And I, I really liked 
finding out that that song was about a real person because I knew nothing about Daryl Hall or John Oates' real lives. I just knew the music and I always loved it. I only knew the hits. It was a thing where I never did any kind of deep cut. I would just listen to the the best of Hall and Oates. And I, as a kid, immediately loved all of it. And um, I, but I, it was before I would like listen to a full album of something. And I didn't know that he had this long-term relationship with this girl, Sarah. And he, within like a couple months of knowing her, writes her this song that's beautiful. And then it's about a real person. Because I hate when right. you find you hear a love song and you're like, the guy's just like, ah, I just thought I, I needed to write a love song. So I just put this shit on a track. Like we talked about the told me, my manager told me we needed a ballad. So yeah. I made up a girl named Jolene. And the yeah. History or whatever. Yeah. Just a syllable based relationship. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. That's how the song we, we talked about it last week, but the song Hannah hunt from vampire weekend, which I love, or maybe we talked about that on the Patreon, but I love, I love that song so much. And then I looked it up and, uh, Ezra Koenig is just like, yeah, it's just a song. I don't know. Who gives a shit? He like didn't have any kind of feeling about it or whatever. And I was so pissed. But uh, there was, he's like, there's no Hannah. I just thought it was a good name. Um, but no, I loved, I loved that. And that song's great. But uh, we should get into uh, listening to some music here. You gave us a great playlist here. And uh, I think we should just go in the order you sent them because I think uh, I sent it in chronological order. Yeah. Although oh, yeah. great. They are, they are. So let's uh, let's hear. I had never heard this song before, but uh, Las Vegas turnaround, I, I really enjoyed. So I'm gonna throw it on. That is uh, Sarah. Uh, oh, sorry, Las Vegas turnaround. I wanted to say Sarah turnaround, but that's not quite the name. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I had never heard that before, and uh, it's very pretty. It's really pretty. It's really smooth, and um, the vocal harmonies are really interesting. I mean, obviously, they're a duo. They're known for blue-eyed Philly soul and their mm-hmm. vocal harmonies, but I think the vocal harmonies in that song are really cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, I loved it. I'd never heard that one either. So did you just pick up this abandoned lunch next? I'd never listened to this album at all. And all three songs you sent from it, I thought were so good. Did you just like pick up the vinyl of this kind of on a whim or how did that happen? That's a good question. I was trying to remember when I was when I was thinking about doing this episode. I think what happened was and I think this is one of the reasons that Hollow Notes is kind of like so central to my music understanding. When I was in middle school, my friends and I we grew up in, during like the height of the new wave, like synth pop music, you know, 
like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then my friends and I got into punk rock and experimental music and and kind of th- I I thought I was kind of like too cool for radio music. Um and then at some point a couple things happened that that made me be a little more open-minded about music. One was I think we were driving. My friend and I were driving and we heard she's gone on the radio. And we're like, it, you know, it just kind of like broke through our hipster defenses. <laughs> and we were just like, holy shit, this song is so incredible. Um, and so I think what happened then was, so I grew up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, <clears throat> excuse me, which is where UNC is. And mm-hmm. UNC has always had a great studio radio, a student radio station called WXYC. And I think I called up wxyc and just asked them to play she's gone by hall of notes and i didn't know if they would because that was a college radio station like why would they play a pop song which at that point wasn't old enough to be ironically interesting you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) and the dj played it and he was like that she's gone by hall of notes it's off a bane and luncheonette which is just one of those if you could only take a hundred records to a desert island that's got to be your record so i filed that away as like oh abandoned luncheonette huh okay that's interesting because I didn't know what album it yeah. was on. Yeah. It was pre-internet. I didn't know how to find out what album She's Gone was on. Years later, graduated college. I was living in Boston. And I think I was just at a local Amvets thrift store. And I found a beat up old copy of um, wow. Abandoned Luncheonette. And I was like, I'm going to see if that college radio DJ from six years ago or whenever <laughs> it was. Let me, let me check out this record. Yeah. Took it home, put it on. It was just like, oh my god! This the first side, especially of this record, is just exquisite. It's just like great songwriting, great harmonies, great instrumentation, great musicianship. Let's uh, should we should we listen to the next song here? Let's mm-hmm. um, let's hear the next song on this playlist here. We have uh, "I'm Just a Kid," um. Which I was like, exp- still knowing it was all notes, I was still expecting that song. That's like a simple just, plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a kid, a kid. All right, here it is. Little girl, what's your name? Now don't you go looking at me like that. You might see. I'm ashamed, what's your name? Just talk with me Won't you talk to me? Will you survive? Learn to try I know you can't describe The dreams you want to be the same But get away I'm not playing around, can't you tell the way I'm squeezing your hand? I'm just a kid, don't make me feel like a man. That falsetto is so wild <laughs> that yeah. they hit on that. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you got to get to the drums. Can you can you fast yeah, yeah, forward yeah. and play when the drums kick in? So badass. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So I realized something really important. I realized something really important about this album last night, which is, um, oh, one of the things I forgot to mention about She's Gone is that was one of the first songs where I actually really noticed the drumming. Mm-hmm. And um, I had played drums in punk rock bands in high school, but it's not like, you know, I was not like an, a connoisseur of like the, the subtleties that that instrument affords. But on the chorus of She's Gone, on the on the offbeat, it has those open hi hats. It's really distinctive. Mm-hmm. When we listen to it, you'll hear she's gone. Oh, what you know? It has that open mm-hmm. hi hat on the, I guess, on the end of the beat. I always remembered that. So I was I was re-listening to some of these songs last night, including this one, and I was like, God, the drumming is so good on this record. I wonder who I wonder who the drummer was. So mm-hmm. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It was Bernard Purdy. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everything made sense. It was like, oh, that's why this record is so awesome, because they have one of the greatest American drummers who's ever lived to play on it. You know, Bernard Purdy is this legendary session drummer who's played on like a thousand records. He played on Steely Dan's big hits. Um, oh, wow. And he invented a very distinctive beat called the Purdy Shuffle, which you hear mm-hmm. all the time, which is like a... Um, it's like a triplet over a backbeat. It's like when you hear it, you'll know it. It's like super distinctive. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's this really amazing drummer. And then when I looked at the credits and was like, oh, every song I love on this record, Abandoned Luncheonette, it was Bernard Purdy playing on it. Oh, wow. So that's why the drum fills are incredible and just why mm-hmm. it's so tasteful and so exciting. Anyway, it was, yeah. I, I got super stoked when I saw that. It was like a small world moment. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, let's go ahead and hear she's gone, so we can so we can hear what we yeah, just yeah, talked yeah. about. Here is uh, here she's gone. I gotta skip forward a little bit, but I love the beginning so much. It's it's a long intro. Yeah. Everybody's consolation. Everybody's trying to tell me what is right for me. Got it, got it. I 
What a song. Yeah, I get goosebumps. It's an incredible it's so song. Good. It's, it's a just, masterpiece. It's so, yeah. yeah, it's a total masterpiece. Mm-hmm. There's so many little production. There's so many little musical elements that are kind of like um, like when he talks about the carbon and monoxide, and you have that weird like yeah. a car, mm-hmm. you know, like the Doppler effect. There's so yeah. many cool little moments like that um throughout the song. And then when it um you know, when it builds and there's the key change at the climax of the song, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's incredible. And yeah, and you have like one of the greatest drummers of all time playing on it. It's just like, so cool. It's terrific. Yeah. So cool. I love this too, that uh, <laughs> like they, they could have gone either way. You could be like, man, they're so lame because they're like, it's a whole notes wrote this while they were consoling each other over heartbreaks. Daryl had just divorced from his wife, Bri- uh, Brina or Brina, uh, Lublin and a new year's Eve date had stood up John, which is funny. Those are not the same. <laughs> You're like, right. my wife left me. Oh, lady just stood me up. All right. Well, I guess I didn't even know that though, but I mean like, that's great. Like it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't say it's not a heartfelt song. Absolutely. Know? I love that they were both just like, let's pour it out. And like, they were (laughs) both consoling each other and they're like, let's write about consolation. And it's great to get back to my, to get back to my wondering about what it was like to hear it in the studio when they were done. Maybe it was like kind of emotional for them. You know, if it came out of something really real for both of them getting stood up by a new year's date, the greatest tragedy. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that is uh i love it though it's like they yeah their emotions are clearly on their sleeves at all times and uh yeah i, I love yeah. it and um, it's working in that you know they they you know they're very indebted to r&b and and to black music and mm-hmm. one thing that song really does that a lot of soul music does really well is it combines really heartbreaking sad lyrics with just the the music is euphoric i mean it's yeah. you know the weird thing about that song and one thing that i think makes it so indelible is when he sings she's gone he sounds triumphant you know it's like yeah. a victory and it's almost like he's it, it's so cool because on the one hand it sounds like he's like you know what fuck it she's gone i'm just gonna own it universe mm-hmm 
hit me with your best shot. I'll let's see what you got because she's gone. You know, it's like this, it's this moment of like real openness. And it, you know, it always reminds me of um, what's probably my favorite song ever, which is I want you back by the Jackson five, which is oh, yeah. musically like one of the most joyful things ever, but you know, it's, guy fucked up and got dumped and he and he'll do anything to get her back you know that combination mm-hmm. the dissonance between the, the the music and the lyrics i think works really really well in this instance especially yeah. in the chorus i oh, think that yeah. final she's gone is just like overwhelming it's so awesome mm-hmm. absolutely it's uh it's so good so good uh all right we have a regular segment we got to get to before we before we hear more music because uh I, I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't I'm curious what he's going to say. So we have a regular segment where uh, we go to our resident snob of the show, uh, Jared Thompson, the owner of the Comedy Attic in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. He likes to give his thoughts on the music we're listening to uh, via voicemail, and uh, I'm curious what his thoughts are this week. So let's hear from Jared. Here are Jared's thoughts on Hall and Oates, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> apologies to them. What's up, y'all? This week's it went to Jared. The boys are going to have a guest on. I'm not sure if it's defending or discussing Hall & Oates because they are kind of hated. But also, I think the average person at least can, you know, is indifferent to it. But I personally love the band and I get it that, like, it's not the same thing as, you know, they're definitely not an elite band. Like, I don't think that anybody is arguing that they're, you know, Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or whatever. But if you just, you know, you're just looking to have fun listening to music that isn't, you know, irritating sounding. I think that Hall Notes are a great option for you. And they have probably 10 or 12 or so pretty top level songs from the 80s. And I just personally feel like that they are part of the, like a major part of the fabric of the music of the 80s. And, um, you know, they definitely are cheesy, I suppose, but it's fun. And that's really the, you know, the number one thing for me. What's really interesting is that Dana and I went to go see them. Uh, maybe it was like the state fair in Louisiana. It was long enough ago that like bands weren't really doing these, like they play the greatest hits album or they play this specific album. It was like, they were kind of touring when it wasn't really a thing that like REO Speedwagon would play a certain album or whatever. So what was really interesting was that they, they played like new songs. They played new hollow note songs. They played new Daryl Hall songs. They played one or two new John Oates solo songs. And that was really weird. But once they got into, you know, man eater and one-on-one and all the great songs of the eighties, it was a lot of fun and, but yeah, I mean, and D- Daryl Hall has a pretty great um, uh, Fripp uh, pr- produced album in the 80s or, you know, could even have been late 70s. I'm not sure, but it's pretty good, too. But um, once, you know, when they're in their wheelhouse of just making fun songs in the 80s, they're pretty great. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jared. That was Jared Thompson. Those were his thoughts. It sounds I'm like he doesn't know albums. about these seventies albums. <laughs> school him on school him on abandoned luncheonette and also on Daryl Hall John Oates. I think he'll be interested to to uh, to hear about this. Um, yeah, oh, I just saw this. I do want to point out because he he said the thing about the current uh, or when he saw them they played new stuff and I, in the behind the music they talked about that where it's like they were trying they're trying to make new music or they were tr- they were trying to and playing it at live shows and I was wondering how that would 
be because I don't think I would enjoy that so much. But. Yeah, I think if you know, I never saw Prince live, and I've always regretted that. Um, and so a couple years ago, I was like, I gotta see Hollow Notes, man. I just gotta do it, you know. And I and if I did that, and I'd probably be a big stadium or something. Mm-hmm. And then they they come out and start singing some weird new stuff. I'd probably yeah. be a little impatient. <laughs> I mean, I should trust their songwriting skills. I you know I've been defending them as songwriters. But I would really, I, you know what I would want is I would want that, like your friend mentioned, this was before people just went around touring live versions of legendary albums. If they just did the Abandoned Luncheonette tour and said, we're just going to play Abandoned Luncheonette uh, straight through, that would be, I would be very, very excited to go see that. That would be an amazing show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, that I I do think it's cool that they would try to make new music like it's it's no uh, i respect that we yeah no i think that is really cool it make it you know it's not cynical you can't say they're being cynical about it they're forcing their audience to sit through a bunch of new music they've never (laughs) heard before yeah Yeah, it's not totally a cash grab right yeah and they even said like we don't want to do this shit for money we want to do it for we like doing music and nothing proves that more than we're just gonna fucking put some new we're gonna give you something (laughs) brand new and you're gonna sit through it and they it's uh, it's always sad watching especially behind the music where they feel like they have to talk about like where they're the direction they're heading in now and you're like i don't care man like they they kept talking about because i mean this was interesting the internet was a huge thing for hall and oats because that was such a a revitalize revitalization of their music to a new fan base and things like the gym class heroes. And you talked about it earlier, but Chromio using their stuff gave people like a, Oh, we got to check this out. This is, I like the, I like the song. I didn't even know it. And um, yeah, it was interesting, but one kind of sad thing is they're like one like triumphant thing where they're trying to be like, look, see, things are good for them now. They're, they're like their, their YouTube video got 1.5 million views. Right. You're like, I don't care about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's like, I get why that's was cool in 2003 or whatever that thing came out, but it's uh it's just funny to hear them talking about it like that. Um, we do have more songs to get to. Let's hear the next one on your list here, which is uh Cam- Camellia. That's a great harmony right there. Yeah. 
There's some fun guitar riffs in that one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. 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 It's a great arrangement. Yeah. And this is off of the, uh, the album where, uh, it was like a controversial cover because they're very airbrushed and like made they're, they're It looks like they're wearing very heavy makeup and, uh, in the, in the behind the music Oates goes, I, I think it's Oates goes, that looks like the woman that I've always wanted to date. And it's him just like highly airbrushed. It and feels it, like somebody saw David Bowie around mm-hmm. that time. And was yes. like, we should yep. try the androgynous outer space alien thing. Totally. Yeah. Like for Bowie. Very Bowie. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. back, the album, the, this is another one. This is another one of the records that I just picked up at a thrift store and just, it just blew me away. And the back cover of the record, or maybe it's the sleeve. Maybe it's their actual record sleeve. They're like, I think they're like listening to records on a spaceship or something. It's, it's very spacey. This record mm-hmm. is very self. The design of the record is very self-consciously about outer space. Yeah. yeah. So very much. It sounds like the Bowie thing is, yeah, is yeah. relevant. Ziggy Stardust stuff. Um, all right. Let's hear uh, the next one here is on the same album. This is Gino in parentheses, the manager. You've got to sell your imagination. Second generation. And along from the family crowd. But you got your own way. Side on the line. Side on the line. Reminds me of the sticks, uh, Mr. Roboto, a little bit. Yeah, it's very <laughs> angular. And one thing I like about that song is that in the verses, there's a it, the rhythm is it's really tight, but it's also kind of complicated. It feels like people are playing musical phrases of different lengths, or the drumming is emphasizing off beats or something. It mm-hmm. just has a real herky jerky quality that I think sounds really futuristic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very fun. Um, all right, we got a couple more songs here from your list, and then one more thing. So, and we have another segment to get to. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna cruise through these next ones. Uh, the next one is uh, we all know this one. We love it. Uh, you make my dreams come true. Thank you. 
classic. So good. It's very funny reading the Wikipedia for this song because in the first paragraph it says, uh, you know, it's a song by American Duo Hall Notes taken from their ninth studio album Voices. The song reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1981. It is the theme song for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> I was like, that is a oh, weird. Nice. <laughs> I was very surprised that, by that. But with all the facts about this song, I'm surprised that was so high Opening up paragraph. There. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of information. Uh, Maple with Leafs song. fan is editing. <laughs> Trying to see as many hockey That's... references as possible. <laughs> what what do you guys what is first thing that comes to mind when you hear this song? Because this one, I there's an inseparable thing that I think of when I hear this song. For me, the thing is um it's not an association, but it's kind of like Gino, the manager. The the opening rhythm is really off kilter, but but works. And I can't I don't know enough about music to know what's funky about it. Um, but I just, I find it really engaging. So, yeah, I was looking into that. And so John Oates said that he and a guitar player friend, he was playing uh, like a Delta Blues type song. And then the other guy started playing a Texas swing and they just kind of put them over each other. And it ended up into that being that riff. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. A combo but you, you guys know styles. what I mean, right? It is kind of just like this mm-hmm. weird. Um, yeah. It's like one of those mismatches, but it, but it works. It works I mean, really yeah. well. It's really distinctive. It's really it's distinctive. so bouncy and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. joyous. Yeah. It's uh, such a fun song. I cannot listen to that song without thinking of the montage in uh, The Wedding Singer that uh, this, oh, this song yeah. is on with the, with the wedding dresses. It's a great scene. Very fun. Uh, probably there's some moments that might not hold up, um, but uh, <laughs> but it's just a very fun scene. And uh, I but I can't not hear this song. I I can't hear this song and not think about that. But I in love the- it. Montage song. A great month. I think it's in 500 Days of Summer, too. Yeah, and then it's in a the lot last, of um, movies. Kermit the Frog sang the song on The Masked Singer. Oh, uh, on, man, what a uh, bullshit uh, <laughs> Masked Singer appearance. You're, it's like, you are masked. Like, that's <laughs> insane. Uh, that's, uh, that's so funny. It was yeah, it was in Ready Player One, I think. Um, it's in a bunch of bunch of stuff, but I, my favorite thing it's uh, been in is oh, it's in uh, Step Brothers also. And uh, yeah, I I love it so much. And I just want to point out, good see, John Oates is contributing. Uh, a lot of people when I when you Google stuff about Hall and Oates, people are like, "What does John Oates even do?" And it's like because it seems like uh, it seems like uh. uh hall does a lot of the stuff but they they clearly need each other yeah totally the next song on here is just a, a classic if you google most successful uh hall and Oates song this is i believe what comes up and it is the song man eater
Just classic. So good. I, I just read some because uh, they talk about being really uh, embarrassed by their music videos because they were when MTV started, they were a, ma- a major staple of it. Totally. And, they were big on MTV. Yep. And they like supposedly like that's part of what people make fun of them about is their kind of cringy music videos. And uh, <laughs> the, the on their song facts, it says the video for this song was a disjointed affair, which was typical of 1982 in the early days of MTV. Hall Notes took little interest in their videos, so directors hired by their record company could get away with just about anything. Maneater is mostly tight shots of the band performing in what looks like an after-hour champagne room with occasional shots of a girl juxtaposed, juxtaposed with a panther. Uh, Daryl Hall said in the book, I Want My MTV, somebody decided the Maneater video wouldn't be complete unless we had an actual panther, a man-eating animal in the video. It appeared for a second and a half in the video and probably cost 10 grand. Uh, Hall adds that for the most for most of the shoot, the panther was leashed to the floor, but at one point it got loose and started roaming the rafters. Wow. <laughs> this is when he left. <laughs> that That's is amazing. Just great. <laughs> Panther Roman the I would, recommend two, like, I would recommend two videos. One is their video for Method of Method of Modern Love, mm-hmm. which is incredibly 80s, and then also for Jingle Bell Rock, where they are very deliberately acting like incredible goofballs. Like they're really dorky, you know? They're, yeah. I think one of the reasons I find them so appealing is like fundamentally they kind of just seem like a couple of dorks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's a big tall dork, and then there's mm-hmm. a shorter dork. <laughs> but they just like write incredible music. Yeah. 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 But we watched that Method of Modern Love uh, video beforehand today, and it's very funny. It's like the most 80s thing you've ever seen. They have the trash can drum set, which is a very fun yeah. visual. <laughs> Classic New York's big city skyline. With the fog machine. On. It's the yeah. one where, like floating through the clouds and shit, right? It's, yeah. It's like cardboard skyscrapers. <laughs> I have it pulled up here. I'll play a little bit of it just to just so we can hear the song we're talking about, too. And I can see some of it here. funny that um before method man someone else spelled out the word method in a song (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's where he got it from yeah they really do sound like the 1980s have swallowed them (laughs) (laughs) i just want to point out he says the moonlight he points at the moon there's just a giant moon it's just very on the nose (laughs) there's the trash can drums Face to face. 
This is uh, very bad. Um, <laughs> his dancing is also absurd in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very cheesy. But um, yeah, that's worth checking out that video. It's very, very goofy. But uh, that is the, that is the playlist. We have another segment to get to before we uh, before we get to the final parts where we rate the playlist and all that good stuff. But we got a lot of comments on this one, so this is the segment where we go to the peanut gallery, the listener of the, of the show, and uh, see what their thoughts are on Hollow Notes. And we, like I said, we got a lot. As always, we go to the Patreon first. If you're on the Patreon, you get to have your thoughts uh, guaranteed to be read. And uh, let me see what all we got here. We got quite a few right off the bat. Jess Tabor uh, comments, uh, Hall & Oates are a prime example of pure pop bliss. Their music beyond slaps, it fucks. Okay. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> uh, April M says, Out of Touch is a banger straight out of the gate with one of my favorite intros in all of music. Truly. Um, Kyle Bradley says, One of the few things Philly can be proud of. Disagree with that, Kyle. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> uh, he says, Rich Girl is a first ballot Hall of Famer and worth going through the deep cuts. A- uh, Amy, wait. A- oh, any favorite uh, Hall of Notes moment is when they. Tr- I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out what he's trying to say here, but uh, it says, Amy, favorite Hall of Notes moment is when they tried to play a new song at an Eagles halftime and got booed by garbage Philly fans causing Hall & Oates to ripcord the new track and start playing Maneater. <laughs> <laughs> People wanted Maneater. That's incredible. To, in the Philly fans' defense, fuck that. <laughs> You're playing a new song in the middle well, of a football game. We've already established they're, always, they're not resting on their laurels. They want to keep challenging their <laughs> listeners with new music. It's <laughs> true. Uh, Nathan St. Amand says, one of the all-time hits bands, they're the perfect example of how good pop write, songwriting can it can be at its best. Also, I sincerely hope the boys find a, are you more of a hall or an oats quiz online somewhere? You know, what's funny is I did find a quiz, but I think we're going to skip it today because it was just another, uh, which, uh, song are you? And, oh, uh, yeah. it was also kind of visual and, uh, there's some other stuff we want to get to. So that's the Patreon comments. Tommy, did we get in on Twitter? We did. Yeah. We got a uh, friend of the show, past guest, JP McDade said uh, there was a photo on the wall of my hometown Hibachi place labeled Hall and Oates, but it was just a picture of Daryl Hall with the staff. I like to think they made Oates take the picture. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very funny comment. And then this was something I didn't know about. I don't know if you guys did, but uh, Admiral Snackbar uh, gave a phone number and said Hall and Oates emergency hotline. And I think we should call it and see what happens because I had not heard of this before he that tom i I zoom chat i have done this before my sister sent this to me maybe 10 years ago and i remember being blown away that it existed and it's uh it's pretty exciting stuff so i will give it a call let's do the hall and oats hotline experience which is called i I did look it up after i found out it is called call and oats Uh, (laughs) we have to note the pun yeah all right here we go welcome to call and oats your emergency hall and oats helpline to hear one-on-one, please press one. <laughs> to hear rich girl, please press two. To hear manita, please press three. To hear privatize, please press four. I press two. <laughs> <laughs> that is really amazing. I can't believe they let. I thought they were kind of litigious. I can't believe they let that stand. Right? Yeah. Did they play the whole song too? I wonder. Oh shit! Sorry. 
I think they do play the whole song. I remember doing so this funny. and playing all of them and being like, yeah, all notes rules. Like it had been a while since I'd heard it, but I'm pretty <laughs> right. sure my sister yeah. sent me that forever ago. And it's pretty sick uh, that that exists. So yeah, call that number. And if you don't have Spotify, you can just <laughs> listen to Hall and Oates music uh, on the fly. Uh, and then the last one was Adam, uh, who said, saw them perform in Philly 13 years ago, dot, 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 no bueno. However, I loved the live at Daryl's house show. Yeah, that was So he might have been at that Eagles <laughs> halftime, maybe. Yeah. It is. Watching I just live at Daryl's house episode or two was when I realized, oh, this guy, I think, smokes a ton of pot. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's really good company. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I just remembered I read this thing that uh, I think it was that they were the only white band to be number one on the R&B charts. And I, I feel like that can't be right, but I don't know who else it would be, but good for them. Yeah. Um, I just remember that because I was thinking about the Philly comment because Philly has a lot of good bands. Like There's so many good bands out of Philly. So uh, if you are not familiar with like Hop Along or as we've talked about to death on the show, the band Mannequin Pussy, that's all I listen to now uh both philadelphia bands um so on facebook we got a ton of comments i won't be able to get to all of them if you want your thoughts guaranteed to be read get on that patreon it's only three dollars a day a month so get over there uh brandon ream says great music to clean or party to true uh mike cronin says one of the first funny or die videos is will ferrell getting a chip in his brain that constantly plays private eyes and slowly drives him <laughs> insane <laughs> uh yeah there's the call and oats thing um oh shane smith says they don't like to be called hall and oats they like uh Darryl right. and john oats thank you shane i should have read that before the show started but i was already told also they're gonna um, be so furious after listening to this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they're on the patreon too so they'll hear it first uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right <laughs> we should start doing we don't even do that <laughs> that's not a bad idea um Let's see. Uh, Matt Fishman says, when my parents' 1995 Toyota Camry was stolen, I cried because Best of Hall and Oates was in there. <laughs> mm. Mm. I love that. Um, Kevin Bannon says, when I was in college, two of my friends decided to go to a Halloween party as Hall and Oates in one year. Uh, it was a funny idea until uh, the guy going as Hall had to bail at the last minute, so my friend Brian had to go by himself as Oates. All night long, people kept asking him who he was. I'm Oates, he would reply solemnly. <laughs> um, uh, I'll just say this. Three different people wrote, I can't go for that. So uh, just know you all did it. Um, uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Uh, there's another one about calling Oates. Uh, David Vagnetti said, my aunt had sex with Oates. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then he did not give us any other details. Somebody questioned it and he said, yep. And then he said, out of touch is a very underrated song. <laughs> Maybe it's about his aunt. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew Rudick says, Jimmy Pardo has the best Hall and Oates bit of all time uh, on Sprezzatura. I concur, but I would also say there's not that many bits about it. So the, <laughs> the pool is small, but Jimmy Pardo does have the best. Um, Let's see here. Da, da, da. So many here. Uh, Casey James Salingo says, too many thoughts to write, so all I'll say is they fucking rule. True. Very true. Uh, I'll read, I think, maybe one more here, because like I said, there's uh, there's so many here. Um, 
just in case McCall says my favorite band to make me feel like I'm in a Walmart at 2 a.m. and Maneater is playing quietly while I look at different cereals for 45 minutes. <laughs> Brother, I get that. I've been there. That was the thing to do in Indiana. Just hang out at a damn Walmart at 2 in the morning. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, last one. Uh, these people keep saying they missed it. They're fine. Maggie Mae said, oh, damn, I missed this. I had a lot of thoughts. Um, oh, Casey Raven says Sarah smiles, one of my faves. And uh, Matt Alonzo Morning says I missed this, but I was gifted some Hall and Oates tickets a few years ago, and that concert was mid tempo as fuck. Oh, All right, yeah. I mean, they're in their seventies now. They're they're old. Yeah. What do you want from these people? Um, all right, that is the end of that segment, and we are down to our final thing here, which is uh, we rate the playlist. But before we do that, you, uh, David, get to give your final thoughts on Hall and Oates. You have the floor. My final thoughts on Daryl Hall and John Oates. <laughs> um, I would encourage everyone to check out their album, Abandoned Luncheonette. I really do think it's an it's a really surprising and interesting album. And I would also recommend if there's only one Hollow Notes video to watch, don't watch a video from the 80s. Watch a it's a 70s performance. It's a 70s video of them performing the song Camellia Live. I think I sent it to you guys, maybe. Yes. Um, and the it, the vibe is just <laughs> unreal. And it's <laughs> it's very evocative and it's a just a um jubilant song. But yeah, my one, if people are going to take away one thing from this, it's just check out the record Abandoned Luncheonette, and I hope you like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so one thing I was thinking, so we usually, we do the playlist uh, out of six songs. So I was thinking maybe to narrow it down, because we have Man seven. Eater. Cut Maneater. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. And we'll cut okay. Method of Mind Love, because that was just for the video. Right. So that gives yeah, us yeah. six. Okay, great. Yes. Okay, easy enough to do. Tommy, what do you think? What do you got for this one? Uh, I really love this playlist. Um, as I said, I had not heard a lot of these songs. I'd mostly only heard the hits. Um, so I really love the Abandoned Luncheonette songs specifically. But I, I really liked all of them. The only, I would say, I'm going to go 5.25 out of 6. I'm wow. going to go very, very high. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And She's Gone is an all-timer. Uh, I really loved Camellia, which I'd never heard. All those songs, yeah. The only 0.75 I'm taking off is I, I for some reason, the, the no, 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 no part of Gino the Manager <laughs> just doesn't sit right with my ears. So that's the only <laughs> thing I'm taking off. That is wild that you said 5.25. That is exactly the number that was in my oh, head. Look at that. I don't yeah. know what it was, but I was like, 5.25 feels right. And for a bunch of songs from a band that I really loved that I had never heard before, uh, a lot of these songs, they I liked them all. Um, yeah, I think 5.25 is a, is a great score and I'm going to go with it. I, I liked all the songs. Um, I, you know, it's hard to listen to a hollow notes playlist and not hear the ones that you're like, but I'm happy you, I'm happy you gave us the ones you did and not just to hear all the songs that were on the, that all charted. This was right, a perfect yeah. playlist. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but, uh, David, you get to rate the playlist out of six as well. What do you, what do you think? Oh my God. Uh, you know what? I, I hate causing controversy. I'll give it a 5.25. <laughs> perfect. I mean, it's not perfect, think... you know, like it's not the you're right now that I think about it. The G no, 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 no. It's like they're, they were anticipating um, Rihanna's Ella, Ella, Ella. Yep. And it's not quite as, it's it. not quite as incredible as when she does it. Um, yeah, they're just like, um, my argument is not that they are 
in the truly top tier of bands. My argument is that they are a lot better than many people think they are. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yes, that's perfect. They're like a total 5.25 out of six musical act. You know? <laughs> perfect. That is perfect. exactly what this podcast is about. So you nailed right. it. Uh, nobody is arguing that uh, like Incubus is the best band of all time, but right. just that they're underrated. Uh, yeah, yeah, weird totally. That I, totally. Weird that I picked a, episode three <laughs> after we've done over 200. <laughs> Um, this was uh this was so fun man and i think this is the first time all three of us have given it the same score that's not six that's gotta <laughs> be history, yeah <laughs> so we're making history today and uh thanks so much for being on the show is there anything you'd like to promote on your way out of here david uh my podcast election profit makers that i host with my friends john and starley where we bet our own money on making political predictions i'm losing a lot of money right now but you can check out election profit makers <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and then I co-created a cartoon that's on, you can find it on Hulu. It's called Dick Town. Oh, I've Hell heard yeah. about that. I'll definitely check it out. That's awesome. awesome. Can you give us a little sneak? Uh, what's what's like a prediction you've bet on that uh, that from the show? Well, I'm losing a lot of money on Cuomo leaving. I thought New York Governor Andrew Cuomo would mm. be out of office by May 1st, and that obviously did not happen. Yeah. And I also bet that Andrew Yang would not win the New York City mayoral election, and I'm still losing money on that. Well, I hope <laughs> that you are right about that. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, this is a bodega. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you tip the guy $40 for a bag of gum. This is what it's like to be a New Yorker, robot ass. Uh, all right, uh, I will be at the DC Improv. I think this very weekend. Uh, yeah, because we're putting this on next week. So yeah, yeah, so uh, May twentieth through the twenty second. So please come out to that. I'll be in the main room. Very exciting stuff. The DC Improv, May twentieth through the twenty second, and I will be in uh, Houston, Texas. I believe uh, that date is June 19th and uh, Lafayette, uh, June 18th, Lafayette, Louisiana. I keep saying those backwards, but uh, yeah, get out. If you live anywhere near those places, I'd love to see you. And uh, Tommy, you got anything? I just get on the Patreon. It's great. uh, Great talking to you guys. Yep. $3 a month. Get you bonus episodes every week. Thanks again, David. This was so fun. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. All right. Keep it crispy, guys. Bye.